We're in a series that I called Reset. There was a time of reflection that we did. The reason I bring it up is because when we did that time of reflection, I was standing up here and I went down there for a song and then I came back up here afterwards and it was like, like, I don't know how to explain it. It was like all of a sudden something was extremely lighter in the room. It was like, like, like the recess bell rang and you're running out the door and heading for recess. It was, I, I don't even know how to explain it. So something really happened during that time um, of reflection. One person in particular came down afterwards and she had said that she literally felt something lift off of her. Like there was this weight, this heaviness because she was, she was stuck living in the law. We talked last week about the difference between living in the promise and living in the law. We, we camped out around Galatians 3 and we talked about how the thing that makes us right with God is Christ alone and him crucified and that's it. And we, we defined what living by the law looks like and we took a look at that and we just had a, a really good time of reflection. So I would encourage you listen to that. It should be on our podcast. Moving on, we were looking at Galatians and what Paul was really trying to do with the church of Galatia. And what he saw was he saw a false gospel coming into the church. So he's really trying to correct a couple things. And that one of the main things was doctrine, which we talked about last week. And one of the other main things that he talks about is unity. And that's what we're going to talk about this week is what unity looks like. And really, um, I love, I did a really good job at staying in Galatians last week. And this week, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that because I'm starting with Psalm 133. But this is just such a great picture of what unity looks like. Psalm 133 says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron running down on the collar of his robes. It's like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. So this psalm, David is comparing unity to like being anointed. Like God anoints unity. And it's so important as believers that we understand what unity looks like because when people are looking at us, they're needing to see the image of Christ. But if we're not in unity, they don't want anything to do with us. Like, why do I want anything to do with that? They can't even get along themselves. So we're going to look at unity a little bit. Um, as I encouraged you before um, last week, when we study the Bible and look at the Bible, the Bible's originally intended to read it book by book. I mean, there's topical biblical studies and stuff like that, but sometimes when you just pull certain scriptures out of certain areas, you're not getting a full picture. So what I'm going to do is I am going to camp out around um, chapter 6 in Galatians, but we're going to back up a little bit just to get a, a better picture. And this is a perfect example of this as to why you do this. But in chapter 6, it's interesting because there are, it seems like there's a bunch of standalone verses in there that you hear. And, and once we start reading it and going through it, you're going to be like, oh yeah, I've heard that before. That's where that came from. That's where that one came from. We've heard of them separate, but we haven't really heard it all together in the context of unity. So we're just going to jump right into it. Um, we are going to Camp out around 6, but like I said, we're going to back up to Galatians 5.24. So if we can get that on there, that'd be awesome. And I'll explain why I did that 
is after I read it here. It says, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. I'm going to stop there because this kind of sets the tone for what chapter 6 is talking about. Without that, it kind of looks like it kind of stands alone. But all throughout Galatians, Paul is painting this picture of what it looks like to have righteousness in Christ Jesus. And then he ties it into how that's needed with unity in the church. But let's look at that really quickly. Um, Galatians 5.24, that small section that we just read, it says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And as I was studying this, a lot of the commentaries, they redefined that word conceited. We, we really don't have a good word um, to explain what they're exactly trying to say. We don't have an English word that really matches up to this. So this is all the Rick Renner you'll get from me. I will not go into a word study. Um, it's just not my cup of tea, and he can do way better at it. But this word conceited that, that they use, the original word is kinodoxos. And what it, it's the old word vainglory or vainglorious. So it says, let us not become conceited or empty of glory, self-deluded conceit, driven by personal delusions, groundless conceit, boasting where there's nothing to boast about, empty pride or conceit, mere pretentiousness. Another way of defining it is foolish fancy, vain, empty opinion. It's based on nothing and it comes from nothing. That's interesting because what this is setting chapter 6 up for is it's, it's letting people know that this is a heart condition. That emptiness of glory is something that we all have. We were all created in a way to where we want to hear from God, well done and good, good and faithful servant. We all want to hear that. But if we aren't connected to what makes us right with God, Christ Jesus alone, we start to do that in ways where we actually start using people to fill that void even if it's out of goodness. So what, what that looks like is if we're wanting um, to fill that, that lack of glory, that vain glory, that, that lack of glory that we're missing, that we're supposed to be getting from God, we will help people, but it's for our own good because we just want to feel helpful. We want to fill that void. And we actually start using people to fill that void which Paul is saying, hey, you know, that's not the perfect picture of unity. And the other two words that are tied to this, it says um, conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So it's saying let us not become conceited because if we come, become conceited, we can provoke one another and envy one another. So if we are envious of somebody, we are in a place of, of feeling inferior. So if we're saying we're so envious of this person, we feel like we're less. 
But if we are provoking somebody, we're in a place of being superior because we think we're higher than them. We can, we can antagonize them. We can provoke somebody because we feel like we're more superior to them. And that's what can happen when we, when we don't understand that, that well-done, good and faithful servant that we're looking to hear from God. When we shift that over to people, we can fall into a very, very dangerous trap. And I believe that that's, that's needed to um, just kind of set the tone for where we're going in chapter 6. Because without that right understanding of God shaping us and God molding us and, and wanting to hear from God well done, without that understanding, everything else that we read from that point forward it's kind of hard to grasp an understanding of, of what that would look like. And one side note, just for some people, because I, I can see some people thinking, um, well, that's great, but we're not going to hear well done, good and faithful servant until we see him in heaven. So how are we ever going to hear that here? Well, God's acceptance in us has already been met by the gift of the Holy Spirit. So when we step out based upon the Holy Spirit, it says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So if we're living by the Spirit, we're going to have that acceptance because the Spirit is going to be with us, and that's the assurance that God accepts us for what we're doing. We don't even have to look towards people to get that. That's part of the reason why the Holy Spirit's here, so that we can be led and walk with the Spirit. So we'll move on after that. Um, go into chapter 6. So it says, chapter 6, 1, it says, Restore someone who is caught. Right? Are we there? Okay. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression... You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Now, I want to pause there and just point out, it says, brothers, if anyone is caught, because of the words that we use there and the way that we think, we can typically think about it this way. So-and-so's doing this. We caught him. We got to do something about this. And really that word caught is what it's talking about is if anyone is stuck or if anyone's in a snare. I don't know if anyone in here is a hunter, but um, hunters have this trap. It's called a snare. And really when the animal runs through it, it just grabs a hold of it so that it can't move forward. So that's what this, this word caught is talking about. It's saying, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual, not in pedigree, but having the spirit, you who is spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Last night I was in my backyard and, and the wind was blowing and I noticed, um, because I haven't mowed my lawn and it's long, I noticed the grass was all blowing the same way along with the wind. But there was some grass that was bent and it was folded over and it, it wasn't blowing. If you, I don't know if any of you have ever driven past like a cornfield or a wheat field or any type of field with long grass. When the wind is blowing through it, it's all blowing in unison like this. And God said, this is a picture of unity that I want with my body. 
when my spirit's blowing, when the spirit's blowing, that my breath is blowing upon them, I want them all flowing at the same time. But what happens is something can happen. Usually it's the environment. So in that field, if a deer walks through, it can disturb the grass and it can bend it. It can, it can, it can bend it over to where it's caught on something. And unless somebody comes and, and lifts it back up or restores it, it's not going to be in unity with the rest of the field. So this is a picture of what they're talking about right here. It's saying, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. And notice it says gentleness. I think it's really difficult for us to remember how much grace we've been giving, given when we relate with other people. It's, it's, it's a difficult thing because we live in such a harsh world, but what Paul is saying here is he's saying, you know, if anyone's caught or if they're, they're bound by something or if their environment has put this pressure upon them to where they're bent and they're not flowing with the entire body of Christ, lift them up in gentleness. Restore them. That's the picture of unity, and, and that's what he's saying. That's how we should go about helping people, whether it's just a habit that they have that, that they're not even aware of or something that they're caught in that's quite obvious. You know, this picture right here, remember the blowing grass and the wind. We need to gently lift that up so that they can continue to flow with us. And I want to remind you, too, that Paul wrote this to the church. This isn't, this isn't unbelievers. He's saying, look, we as the church, we got to get this right. Because when people see us, like I said earlier, they need to see the full image of Jesus. So we'll move on from there. It says, keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Backing up to where it says, bear one another's burdens, and this fulfills the law of Christ. How many of you, let's see, I'll ask it this way. What if you saw somebody come to church, and for whatever reason, they felt the need to carry their couch from the living room on their back with them and bring it into church? For, hypothetically, for some crazy reason, and you saw this person coming in from the parking lot and trying to get through the doors, what would be the first thing you'd do? Other than call security? <laughs> you'd ask them if they need some help, right? You wouldn't say, huh, why are you carrying a couch into the church? How much does that couch weigh? Man, that really looks difficult. How long have you been carrying that couch? What type of leather is that? <laughs> no. You would, you would ask them. You wouldn't ask them anything. You would grab the couch, and you would share that burden. You would share that load. And that's what Paul's talking about here is when we bear one another's burden, it's not in a way to where we help them because we want to feel good about ourselves. It's in a way where we're actually lightening the load for them and helping them continue on until they get to where they need to be and then you both set the couch down together. 
when we aren't walking step by step with the Spirit, with the Holy Spirit, and letting the Spirit lead us, we don't see things that way. That's why I thought it was so important to include 524, 25, and 26 before we got into this because it just paints this picture of how important it is to have the right perspective. So moving on, verse 6 says, Let the one who was taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. I'll pause right there because Pastor L would like a Mercedes Benz. Oh, sorry. He did not pay me to say that. No, I, I do want to stop there because um, that's something that can be used for manipulation, and that's just wrong. But I do think there's an importance in honoring um, people who have who have been there alongside of you. Um, my wife and I both have um, a woman who she considers her spiritual mom, and she's the one that first taught me that it was okay to be me according to what God says um, and I highly respect her, and we've, we've honored her in a couple different ways. Um, and after reading this, I started thinking about all of the people who have, you know, sewn into me and, and thinking about, you know, wow, you know, I need to really make sure that I'm, that I'm honoring these people because there's something to be said about what we're sewing into, there's, there's good ground. And as we continue to read on, it says, do not, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. This is another reason why it's so important to read stuff book by book because there is a law of sowing and reaping. It is a legitimate thing. But a lot of the times we hear this verse and we hear it used for other things. But this particular verse is used in the context of unity. He's talking about unity. So he's saying, be careful of what you sow into your relationships because what you sow into your relationships, you will reap. I have an amazing example of this at my expense. and It's a little uncomfortable. But the other day, my wife was at Cedar Point with one of our, our girls, and I was on my way home, and um, our other two girls were at home, and I wanted to take them out to dinner or something like that, and we decided on ice cream. So I was like, hey, you want to go get ice cream? Stupid question. Yeah. Um, so we went to go get ice cream, and God bless Hausman's Ice Cream in Byron Center, Michigan. Love them but they don't take credit card. And I did not know that. So, so I get their order. They're making the ice cream and everything, and they're like, yeah, it'll be whatever, and go to whip out the card. I don't even carry cash anymore. Go to whip out the card, and they're like, oh, we're sorry. We don't take, we don't take cards, cash, check only. I'm like, Ugh. It's like 90 degrees, thinking the ice cream's probably already melting back there. And so they're like, you know, it's okay, we already started making it, we can't cancel the order, so you can just go, we'll, we'll give you your ice cream, just go get some cash and, and come back and, and pay us. So I'm like, oh, what a hassle, right? So I'm like, where can I go get cash? I don't know. And so I go to the, go to the gas station, well, 
back up. I try to get to family fair, but then realize that there's construction because they're tearing the road out. And if I drive over this curb, it's literally going to rip the bumper off of the front of my car. So I go one direction, realize I can't go that direction, can't go to family fair, turn around, go around, go back to the gas station. And I go and I grab some drink that I didn't, didn't even want to drink. It was some iced tea something with full of chemicals. Didn't even want to drink it. But I'm like, it's a buck, right? So I can choke it down and uh, I'll get my cash. So I'll go up to the, the thing. They say, okay, dollar, whatever. And I'm like, you do cash back, right? And she's like, oh, no, I'm sorry. We don't do cash back. And I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. So I'm getting frustrated. And so I'm like trying to figure out what's going on. And then my daughter, Bryn, I love her to death. She talks all the time. And she's like, dad, 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 dad. And I'm just like, not right now. I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm like, it's not you. I'm just frustrated. So then finally we find a way. And this is like all within like one city block. And this is taking forever. I mean, Byron Center is like from here to the exit sign. You know, that's it. And so I finally make it to family fair, the construction and all this other stuff. And and go in, and, and the, the girls are sitting in the, in the hot car, and the ice cream's melting, you know, and it's 90 degrees. Of course it's melting. So the, as I walk into the store, I don't remember if it was I was walking in or walking out. I was walking in the store, and I'm like texting my wife, what do we need from the store? I got to get cash to the store. We always, you know, bananas. God stopped me. And he said, who are you doing this for? And I was like, my kids? He said, no, you're not. You're doing this because you want to feel good about doing it for your kids. That's what that was talking about. It's like, oh, my gosh, it hurt. It hurt. They had their ice cream. They were happy. Meanwhile, dad's flipping out because I wanted it to be an enjoyable experience. I wanted to do something for my kids that was enjoyable, but in the effort of that, I was getting frustrated, and I was totally missing the point that my kids already had their ice cream, and they're happy. They didn't care where they were eating the ice cream. They were just watching dad go on a tyrant show or something, well, I guess they got ice cream and a show at the same time. So I, I use that example because this, this is saying the one who sows to his own flesh will from, the, will from the flesh reap corruption, but one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. In that moment, I was sowing to my flesh. What did I get? Corruption. Man, it can creep in very easily. And that's with my own kids. Imagine what it's like between us as believers, how easy it can creep in. And this is what Paul's talking about. He's just saying, we got to get this thing right. We got to get this thing right. So then, we'll pick it up in 10. So then, as we have an opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are the household of faith. He's talking to us as believers. I'm just going to continue reading this for the sake of time. We'll, we'll finish this up and, and, and wrap it up. 
says, see with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised so that they may boast in the flesh, in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. This is just such a great reminder of what it's like to live in unity. It's just a, it's a, it's a snapshot. There's many other places in the Bible that talks about unity, but particularly having the right heart towards one another. I wrote this down, and I really want to make sure I get a chance to, to share this because I, I love this analogy. In Isaiah, Isaiah paints this picture of God as the potter and we are the clay. There's even a song about that. I love that song. I don't know, it's like an old Lutheran song or something. Um, does anyone know what I'm talking about? Abba, Father, you are the potter, we are the clay. I love that song. It's, it's such a good song. Um, but he, he paints this picture of God being the potter and we are the clay. When he forms us, there aren't any imperfections, and he can pour himself into us to the point of overflowing. But if the environment around us forms us, we become lopsided and we can't contain anything. So having the right heart with people comes from allowing God to form, form us. Comes from having a relationship with Him first. Comes from all the things that we know how to do when we go to, go to the Father and spend time with Him. So, what am I trying to say? Unity with each other is only going to come from unity with Him. Understanding how to deal with one another is only going to come from our unity with him, first and foremost. And that's what I love about Galatians because it first talked about the doctrine and the importance of knowing where we are with God, knowing that we're right standing with God based upon who Christ is in the cross, and then he goes into unity because if the one isn't right, we can't have the other one. I truly believe that... I truly believe that this message isn't just a message to speak. I truly believe that this message is a starting point for us as a church as to greater unity. Not that we were ever doing anything wrong in the first place, but there's so much that God wants to do that he needs us to have this thing right. It's so important. And this is one of the, those messages that I include myself in. I mean, I'm going to listen to this again for my own good 
It's going to be one of those things where as soon as I get home, it's going to be tested. And God's going to be like, hey, remember what you just talked about tonight? You ready to walk that out? It's kind of a tough, challenging message, but I truly believe that God's saying, you know what? I know where you're at with me, and I know you can do this. I know you can do this. I know you can get this thing right called unity. So I just want to encourage you. I just want to, I just want to champion you. Whatever, whatever that looks like, whatever that looks like for you and where you're at, I just want to encourage you to check yourself and see where you're at with your relationships with one another. Last week we saw where we were in our relationship with God. Like I said, listen to that. I really want you to listen to that. Because this whole theme of reset isn't just a fun title. It's an actual place. God's saying, I'm taking you to a place of reset. I'm resetting you in your understanding of who you are in me based upon Christ. And I'm resetting you in your understanding of where I want you to be in unity with one another. So let's pray. Father, we thank you that you show us things. And like I said last week, when you show us stuff and it feels yucky inside sometimes or it hurts or it's challenging, it's not from a place of condemnation. I encouraged everyone last week, if they're in Christ Jesus, you need to replace the word condemnation with opportunity. Because when God shows us stuff, He's saying it's an opportunity to move into the fullness that I've created you for. So, Father, if there's anything that you're showing to any one of your children in this room through this message or through this time of worship or or anything that's happening tonight, Father, help them to see it as an opportunity to become more and more like Christ. That's what we're truly after wanting to show the world the best picture of your son that we can and be in relationship with you while we do it. Father, we thank you for this time. I bless every single person in this room. Father, I pray that you would continue to give them a revelation throughout this entire week. Father, I thank you for the healing that took place earlier and the continued healing And Father, any other area that people need to be met in their lives, Father, I thank you that you're going to meet them throughout their daily walks. Father, speak to them through their environment, dreams, visions, any way that you need to speak to them. We thank you for those testimonies in advance. We call this time blessed, and we thank you for this body. In Jesus' name, amen.